0: All right, everybody, welcome to Thursday. The week is almost done, a short week for a lot of you, but we have a great interview for you today. I'm going to be saying that a lot over the next couple of weeks, but I mean it every time. Today, we have Sophia Amoroso of Nasty Gal and Girl Boss fame. She joined Jason, not me, to talk about raising her first venture fund, which she's calling Trust Fund, breaking into the venture capital industry as an outsider with a unique skill set and her approach to branding and design. Much more as well. It's a fascinating conversation, a great interview. It's going to be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Linode. Apply to Linode's RISE program for founder-led early stage startups and get a $500 credit up to $120,000 in infrastructure credits in year one, cloud consulting, and so much more. Apply at linode.com slash twist. Lemon IO, need to speed up your product development without draining your budget? Hire vetted engineers from Europe at Lemon.io. Go to Lemon.io slash twist to get 15% off for the first four weeks. And Brilliant.org. Brilliant.org is the best way to learn math, science, and computer science interactively. Try everything Brilliant has to offer for a full 30 days and get 20% off an annual subscription at Brilliant.org slash twist.
1: All right. Sophia Amoroso is here. She is a serial entrepreneur, content creator, author, and now she's raising her first fund called Trust Fund. Get it? Trust Fund. You're so good at branding. Thank you. TrustFund.vc if you want to check it out. Second time on the program, last time was four years ago, 2019, episode 962. If you want to go back, for those of you who don't know, she founded Nasty Gal, the uh, clothing retailer, and uh, she wrote an amazing memoir girl boss that was made into a tv show and uh she did some girl boss rallies then you did what was the um uh, what was your school oh first class business, no, business
2: class. class sorry business, business class. Business business class, business class yes. yeah sorry. so still doing business class
1: still doing business class and uh now she's raising up front welcome back to the program sophia thank I'm you Morrison.
2: hi jason hello hi hey, everybody
1: so how's you decided you wanted to start investing in other people's company. Had you done Mm -hmm. some angel investing before raising this fund?
2: Yeah. So I've invested over a million dollars of my own money into over 20 startups, including Kind Body and Public and Pipe and Liquid Death Early, and realized how much I really love doing it and how much I just love working with founders. And so that's why I started Business Class, which is my online program for entrepreneurs. It's a course in a community. And at a certain point, was like, okay, I think I'm actually pretty good at this investing thing. Angel investing is different than running a fund. So I absolutely have a lot to learn on that front, but realized I'm sitting on this arsenal of assets that I didn't really realize until I was like, wait, I have great deal flow. I can have a material impact on the outcome of these early stage companies and help these founders see around corners. That sadly nobody showed me around while I was building my first company. And I have access to amazing LPs and people to send you know, deal flow my way and also to be helpful to portfolio founders. So it was like, you know, when I'm done starting businesses, I'm a zero to one founder. Now I get to work from zero to one over and over and over again and not be the person that has to manage the team of 20 and hopefully 40 and hopefully 100 as these companies grow but I've seen it and I've tried it and I know I can help. I just don't want to do it again.
1: I hear that over and over again from founders. There is a group of folks who love that zero to one. Hey, I have an idea and now it's manifested. It's in the world, but boy, the, uh, going from a hundred employees and a couple of million in revenue to a billion in revenue, it's a lot of repetitive stuff. It's not for everybody. So it's good that you figured that out. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a different job
1: it is a different job i find it's like repeating yourself over and over again and then refining the same 20 things Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah i mean your job in the beginning is like you're doing everything and then you know how to do everything you train people how to do everything and then you bring people in and they're like here's how you need to do everything And the people who've been doing it are like hey we have our way to do it and there's like new leadership that's like no this is how you do it and it's you know it's just your job becomes managing timelines and inspiring people and hiring and managing their expectations and building culture which is also really fun but it's not it's not the job that you sign up for that you think you're going to have when you uh, start a company and think it's going to give you a bunch of freedom because that's not necessarily the case
1: i have a friend who referred to it as like you have to do your chores (laughs) So everybody loves the creation part. Everybody Mm -hmm. loves ideas and trying to turn them into a product. And then there are the chores (laughs) and you must do your chores, hiring, firing culture, accounting, legal scaling, open up this office, whatever it is. It's just, it never ends. And, uh, you know, some people love it. There are operate and they're God, God bless them. There's operations people out there who can't get enough of that stage of a company. Yeah. Yeah. So you're raising the, fund publicly yeah like i am i'm raising my fourth fund publicly i curious how did you find out about the concept of raising publicly why did you choose that
2: yeah i don't remember how i heard about it i know ryan hoover did it and he's a good friend of mine so ryan founded product hunt he's now um has a fund called weekend fund and they did their most recent raise as a 506c or he called it a community raise. So I just used the same term and it's something that allows you to raise in public. So typically when you're raising a fund, you can't talk about it. The SEC won't let you. Um, you can only have 99 LPs with a 506 C or maybe that's a separate thing. There's like a parallel fund. There's a bunch of like acronyms for different things, but essentially you can raise in public. You can talk about it and it means that. Anybody, if you want, can apply, you can use it as a way to, you know, amplify the fact that you're fundraising and get million dollar checks or $5 million checks. But you can also use it, like I did to say, Hey, I want to give access to people. I didn't have a trust fund. So let's make a trust fund. Yeah. And I shouldn't be here. And I don't have the pedigree that people who have my access or experience uh, typically do. How can I bring people who could be accretive to the fund, who could be helpful to portfolio founders, who can bring deal flow to me, who can help amplify the products and the companies who wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity? So, a few weeks ago in January, I um, announced in TechCrunch that I was doing, uh, that I was raising in public and made a website in Webflow, which I'm like learning and I really love. And I made a type form and I made an application. And I said hey we're allocating up to a million dollars for people to apply tell us why you can be helpful tell us about you where are you you know tag the different categories where you could contribute tell us about your experience and would you write would like to write a check between 2 and 20k um so I allowed people to apply to write checks between 2 and 20k which in this world is very 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 small Yeah that doesn't exist yeah for a 5 million dollar fund and we got in a few weeks not a million in applications but 6.1 million dollars in applications Fantastic. for tests between 2 and 20k so it was like over 800 accredited investors people who were self-identifying you know qualified because they can yeah. only they have to be accredited investors and so we've taken the fund from 5 to 10 um Fantastic. i've i know it's really exciting and have a list of amazing LPs like Mark Andreessen, Chris Dixon, and you, Jason, Andrew yeah. Chen, um, Rob Hayes, Paris Hilton. I don't know. It goes on. It's, it's a great, it's amazing. So feeling like I have wind at my back, which is a great feeling. Hasn't always felt like that. I'm sure we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. But, well, um, I mean, in any
1: career, there's headwinds and yeah. Oh, yeah you're, tailwinds. You're a bit of uh, a very public person. So that's why you should do 506c. I I chose to do it in this fourth one because I was like, well, I have a podcast or two. And uh, I have a Twitter following like you. And why not democratize venture capital, give more people access to it? And um, yeah, I did a couple of webinars. I didn't do any press. I should have done that. and maybe I should. Um, And I'm taking a year to do it. I'm like, you know what? This whole idea of like high pressure, going on the road, pitching people really hard. I'm kind of over it at Mm. this point in my career. The first one was 10. The next one was 11 the third fund was 44 and the fourth one uh we had 52 million in demand already the problem is there are some caps uh on accredited investors you can only have 250 up to 10 million then on qualified Mm -hmm. you can have 2,000 people and i think it's It's i don't know what the number is but it's pretty high so i i did a very similar thing to you i just talked about it publicly talked about on the podcast and i should have done the thing where i said how can you be helpful but i filled up all the accredited and that's what you'll experience i believe is once you have yeah. a track record, which you'll have quickly after this first one, um, or I should say, you, you'll have it in three to five years after this one. So let's talk about we'll assume you hit 10 million. Uh, and if people are interested in something like this, once again, the URL in Webflow, which is a cool product. Yeah, I know a lot of people mm-hmm. using it, trustfund.vc. Uh, you're great at design, by the way. Thank uh, you. I think like yeah. your zone of excellence ex- is just design and branding. As somebody who is into branding Thank and you. design, I'm just in awe of your ability to make great brands.
2: So fun. I think I just make things so I have an excuse. I start businesses and do things so I have an excuse to name them. (laughs) (laughs) Or I just name them and I'm like, what should this be? And like, will it into existence? No, I'm a lot more (laughs) more deliberate than that. I'm kidding.
1: Sometimes we get a partner here that has an offer that's so amazing. I barely need to read you the ad copy. I just read you the benefits. Linode has a startup program. It's called RISE, R-I-S-E, and it offers more than just free credits. Startups get up to $10,000 per month in year one credits, followed by a 50% and 25% discount in each of the next two years. And there are no caps, and you get a lifetime discount based on your usage. And you get free 24/7, 365 award-winning customer support by the phone, email, or social media. There are no tiers, there are no handoffs, and you get cloud consulting experts to ensure your tech stack scales seamlessly. Plus, community connect with other program members, alumni, advisors, and more. And shout out to our friends at Linode, which was acquired by Akamai last year. Congratulations to the team. With Akamai plus Linode... You also get access to leading security and CDN solutions. So you're gonna be snappy snappy all around the globe. If you're cost sensitive, but you want amazing hosting, the solution for you is Linode. That's the answer, right? You wanna watch that bill, you wanna watch that bottom line, but you also want top tier service and speed. So visit linode.com twist and you will get $500 in free credits and you can apply for their startup program Rise. Rise members receive up to $120,000 in free infrastructure credits during their first year. And up to 50% off in the years after that. Take us through the creative process of business class and trust yeah. fund. Because they're both funds.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
1: then before that, nasty gal and girl boss. Uh, these four brands are just all spectacular. So take us through your creative process in branding or coming up with a name. What do wow, you do? Yeah. Smoke a joint and uh, get a whiteboard no, app or have a glass of champagne and... Weed,
2: what do you makes do? Me, weed makes me kind of weird i don't know i can't do i can't follow kinda conversations makes, dumb, right? <laughs> makes me a little dumb it makes me yeah. slow and i think I'm that's kind of what it's known for <laughs> yeah uh i don't have time <laughs> yeah the learning curve is high um so nasty gal i was like okay what do i name it? i almost named it i heart vintage which was like oh god it would have just been so mm, yeah i know Cringe. it's not even my i was like oh it's memorable i think i can get the name or something like that. It's, it, yeah. But then I was like, okay, there's all these girls selling hippie stuff on eBay, and I want to do something different. And my spirit is not hippy dippy. My spirit is like, I don't know. I the word edgy also feels kind of dated, but there was this. I worked in record stores and was really into music. And music was the thing that like I wasn't I, I played bass in high school, but I just loved like collecting records and downloading stuff and these weird private servers that record nerds had and would like rip stuff off of vinyl that wasn't you know, re- re-released on CD yet. It was just like, it's what I loved. And this, and I remember when this album was re-released, it's called Nasty Gal by a woman named Betty Davis. And Betty Davis was married to Miles Davis for a little while. And she was allegedly like too wild for him. And her music <laughs> That's is- That's saying something. Yeah, her music is so good. And she was so stylish. And I just absolutely loved it. Um, so I was like, I'll name it Nasty Gal. And I didn't think it was a word I'd be saying for the rest of my life, right? It was an eBay store. I wasn't like, yes, I'm going to go out, uh, you know, I'm going to somehow get on this week in startups. I'm going to, I didn't know what TechCrunch was. I did not know what investors were. It was just, it was like an eBay store. And it cut through the noise, you know, the first website. So it was NastyGalVintage.com. When I had to buy NastyGal.com, you can imagine what kind of website I had to buy it from, which was like entertaining. It might have been adult in nature, yeah. Never owned nastygirl.com. Haven't been there in a while, but there were definitely like, girls who were like 20 years old being like grandma look at this dress and typing the url in wrong mm. there was like upset parents ah. looking at their credit card statements being like what is this yeah. which is like if you have your parents credit card i don't feel bad for you i'm sorry um, um, <laughs> it's hilarious uh and, and then, then girl then boss where did where did girl that, oh, boss, was the origin of that one another dank yeah. reference so girl boss uh i took from the name of a film called Girl Boss Gorilla G U E R R I L L A from the 70s which is a very little known uh female Japanese revenge film of a genre called pinky violence which um Tarantino has taken a lot of inspiration from hmm. um admittedly and they're just again super stylish really fun it's like these super cool Japanese girls like knife fighting in the street yeah <laughs> there it's It's so good right so i was like it's girl boss. Yeah. Girl, yeah. boss yeah girl boss there it is yeah so that's where i was just like cool i'm gonna call it girl boss so
1: that's that's interesting yeah. the genre films that tarantino is obsessed with i just read or i listened to i should say his audiobook cinema yeah. speculation did you get it yet or no but i heard it's so good it's great and then i started watching some of the films and i'm like these films are uh what they would call a genre film right like mm-hmm. horror revenge yeah female revenge Campy. whatever yeah and um they're not exactly for me mm-hmm. i like thrillers i like mm-hmm. mysteries i like a little more going on their sci-fi uh but i get why he likes it because they're they have a certain as the word says genre films they, they have a certain purpose which is to excite you and delight you and make you uncomfortable yeah. in the theater. And the, I highly recommend this book, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Mining um, old media from the seventies to find interesting yeah. words. it's a yeah, strange.
2: And then business class, I was like, Oh my God, naming of entrepreneurship course. So difficult. So it's like, Ooh, do I call it founder Academy? Do I, ca-? there's just the common, all the combinations of words, are like Academy, university, yeah. You know, the circle, the club, they would be, and they're so generic. Descriptive yes. is good because you don't want, for something like that, you do want it to sound relatively straightforward. Like you want the title to kind of tell you what it is instead of be like, you know, illumination. I'm just looking at this like coffee cup of Teligencia illuminating coffee. But like, you know, that's no one's going to know. Coffee, it's an I will say, it's great but... coffee. Mine's super cold, but I'm just sitting here camping at my lo- desk. Teligencia
1: has a great logo as well. We, we named ours
2: Founder University, and it's it's problematic
1: because people keep calling their own things Founder University, and I'm like, hey, uh, that's our trademark. Yeah, okay, boss
2: um Oof, Can't yeah. trademark that. But um I was on a walk and was with my ex, and I was just like, okay, I was just stringing together words. I'll just do that. I'll sh- just shoot shoot. The and I was like, business business class. And my god, that sounds so basic. And then I was like. Business class. And I was Get like, it? Ooh. And then I was just, you know, started putting Pinterest boards together of like old Pan Am kind of ads and um, just like all the, you know, uniforms and fun puns and references. So in business class, yeah, there's modules and there's lessons in a course, and the modules are called flights. There are seven flights. Uh, so over the smart. course of a cohort that lasts 10 weeks, people get lifetime access to the whole program, but it's really, it's, it's self-led, but we also drop one flight a week so that people are mm. kind of taking, consuming that content together and not overwhelmed within those flights. The lessons are called legs. And over those 10 weeks, because there's only seven flights, there's three layovers, which are catch-up weeks. It's just like mm. endless, it's just like endless, endless puns.
1: puns, endless it's things to build. Well, I mean, that's the, the great most thing when, fun. You hit, when you strike a theme and I remember seeing it and I was like, Oh, she's doing a business class. And then you always do photo shoots, uh, of mm-hmm. yourself and, you know, great logos and everything. And I saw you doing yeah. it on uh, Instagram or something. And I was like, ah, yeah, pull it up. It's businessclass.co Co uh, to my producer.
2: I don't know where the trust fund came from, but in business class, I go through naming and, and branding and mm-hmm. visuals and, you know, finance and legal, all the, everything. But I do take people through, well, obviously, like the thesaurus. So anything you think it is, like, what's just one degree away? What's the kind of like asymmetric Mm. um, reference that isn't the thing that you're necessarily talking about? You don't have Mm. to be super on the nose about it. And then just because I love rhymes and puns, I go to rhymedictionary.com. Oh, so great. And I'll just like jam out on like, okay, here's one thesaurus word. And then, how can I turn that thesaurus word into like something that rhymes with that? And it can be a what's that called when you put two words together? There's um, puns. Alliteration. It's a mm, portmanteau. I don't know. It sounds oh. fancy. It's when you combine two words to make a new word. Portmanteau. Yes, I've heard this. Something like that. I didn't know that when I was doing it. Someone told me that recently. So,
1: uh, but it um, sounds fancy. Alliterations when you have
2: two of like, the same letter to begin sound yeah letter or sound yeah. kim right. kardashian
1: Ooh, there's, yes there are KK. better ones there are, there are there are better ones but that's that's a like, fine one as well yeah uh yeah portamento is uh when you blend words together
2: right yeah to make like a new one so what would an example of that be like uh yeah uh normcore i, I don't
1: know oh don't yeah know. no there's um there are some of those words now that i i, I listen to a podcast um, called red scare and they are into this kind of normie culture or whatever and they use all these hip words and stuff like that okay imagine this you got an idea for a great tech startup and you think it's going to change the world but you got a problem you just don't have the engineers that you need to make it come true why well, it's obvious. It's hard to find engineers. There's a lot of competition. And hey, you're trying to keep your burn rate low. You need to conserve cash. Now, imagine you had a partner who could provide you with more than 1000 on demand developers, right? As many as you need. and. These developers were all vetted, experienced, result-oriented, and they were incredibly passionate about helping you grow your startup. And what if they charged, you know, competitive rates, things that you could afford? Does this sound too good to be true? Well, let me introduce you to Lemon.io, Startup Shoes, Lemon.io, because they only offer hand-picked developers with three or more years of experience and have strong portfolios in fact only one percent of candidates who apply to work with lemon.io get in a couple of our launch founders have worked with lemon.io and they had an amazing experience and listen i have used outsourced full-time teams for decades whether it was way back at weblogs inc mahalo onto inside.com at launch This is the way to do it. Go to lemon.io slash twist and find your perfect developer or tech team. And you can do that in 48 hours or less. And Twist listeners get 15% off for the first four weeks. Stop burning money. Hire developers smarter. Visit lemon.io slash twist. So what stage are you going after with the fund? Yeah. And then what stage... And are Uh you vertical specific? Because I think people would say, oh, Sophia Amorosa, girl boss, nasty gal, this, that, the other thing. She's going to do content and she's going to do fashion. And is that
2: true or not? Completely untrue. None of the above. Uh, I tried to build a billion dollar direct to consumer fashion business. It's really hard. I've watched my friends try to build billion dollar. Uh, direct to consumer businesses. And while some of them may be valued at a billion dollars, it's doubtful whether or not any exit will ever happen remotely near that price. And doing a billion dollars in revenue is like a whole nother question. So I put enough stuff in landfills. I don't want to do stuff. Liquid Death was a great investment, but in general, like stuff is not interesting to me. Consumer and kind of the consumerization of enterprise or B2B is really interesting to me. Uh, So that's one area I like to invest in. It's seed and and seed, uh, pre-seed and maybe seed plus, whatever. I'm not investing in anybody's bridge rounds from, you know, having raised their seed a year ago. These are like new companies um, that are just starting now because it's going to be a great vintage because valuations are very much in line with, I think, where they should be. And the word profitability is finally in the mix. And I bootstrapped my first business with no investors or debt to $12 revenue. So I get what that means. Um, But I'm also investing in companies that I think can become billion-dollar businesses um, and are tech-enabled. So they don't have to be purely technology companies. It could be, as far as products go, probably the only thing I would invest in that's a physical product might be something like a wearable. Mm. So my investments will be across like B2B and the consumerization of enterprise... So workplace products, um, largely stuff that entrepreneurs can use. Because I was the C when I started on eBay. eBay was a B2B business. It was a marketplace. Nobody knew was using that term. It was the average person starting a business. eBay gave me this framework that said, here, fill in these blanks and you have a business. And that was a very new thing. Would I mm-hmm. become an entrepreneur or opened my own business? vintage store on what hate street no like no one would have given me the money but i was able to cobble together my skills and you know my computer and a little digital camera and buy some vintage from vintage stores and there it was i had a business so today the people using the shopify's of the world or the calendly's of the world the calendly user could be someone who is a uh, an eyebrow like a brow artist who does people's brows but she's also a business person, but she doesn't know what SaaS is. Calendly's SaaS, Shopify's SaaS. Like every person that read Girl Boss, the 500,000 people who bought it, and this entire generation, if they're not entrepreneurs, they're entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and they're probably using B2B tools, even if it's a sorority using Slack or something, right? So people are hacking these, what would at one point have been considered enterprise tools for their personal use, they're using communities that were meant for individuals for professional use. Um, and what was the B2B, I think, is the C2B, I guess, in that these are brands that people are that are getting into the these products that are supporting entrepreneurs or the business of one are ones that are attractive, because they're also great brands, and there's something you want to align yourself with, and they're great tools. Like Webflow is cool. Like I'm like I want to say I use Webflow. I want to say I use Notion. And someone who's not necessarily running a business can use Notion, but for the most part, it's marketed as like a as a B two B tool. And this is
1: a great yeah. observation. If yeah. you think
2: about it, you just said
1: raising your fund. You, you talked about Nasty Gal and how you did that with the tools and you look at raising your fund you're using i believe angel platform mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which has made it like that abstracts 90 percent of fundraising type form web flow mm-hmm. the press and your social media following right and then when you did you know a uh, business class i'm sure you use some collection of technologies and printing and all kinds of stuff so
2: yeah all i don't want to reinvent the wheel never ever again yeah H- have you
1: thought about your uh, how many portfolio construction? Let's talk about portfolio mm-hmm. construction and then follow on funding. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of the lessons I learned with the $10 million fund. I think 10 million is the perfect solo GP number. Okay. Uh, it's constrained. And have you thought about how many names you're going to put in there and the average tech size? We know you're going for the C yeah. stage. Great. Maybe series A sometimes. And you're going for tech enabling tools. You're not going for fashion or whatever people might pigeonhole mm-hmm. you into because of your previous success. Got it. Check, check. What is the check size going to be? How many mm-hmm. names?
2: And then follow-on mm-hmm. funding because that must
1: have come up a bunch when you were doing the fundraising.
2: Totally. Yeah, people ask all these questions. And I guess I just want to clarify cuz I mentioned wearables and that has nothing to do with entrepreneurship. Healthcare and fintech, money faster, more accessible, more convenient, more beautifully designed in a, in a new way. Doesn't have to reinvent the wheel, but fintech and health, digital health are also two areas that I find myself really attracted to. So businesses that make people's lives better just through technology, um, entrepreneurs and individuals. So it's a $10 million fund. We'll write 150 K checks into probably 60 or 70 companies. And I'm not planning on having any reserves. I may do follow ons through SPVs, never done an SPV before, but I expect to offer those SPVs to my LP base. And yeah, so. That's something that they'll have the opportunity to invest in along with me if those companies, win, those companies go raise subsequent rounds. It's a nice way to do it. That's how
1: I did it in the early days was just, hey, there's a round coming up. Does anybody want to participate? LPs go first. It works. Um, It becomes a lot of paperwork and a lot to manage. So the funds might be a more efficient way to do it uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of operations. You really need to have a lot of operational people. When you start getting into SBBs, is
2: what I've Mm -hmm. learned after 260 of them. Sounds like a nightmare. Do you use AngelList?
1: Uh, We started on AngelList. I was the first one, famously. And the first one we ever did was Calm.com. So I think that's the most successful one ever done to date. I put in 50K, I think, from our fund and 328,000 from the syndicate. Uh, Again, it was a $10 million fund. We were making 50K bets. um, And a meditation app seemed like a crazy, stupid bet at the time. People criticized me pretty hard. Um, and it's a $2 billion company. So that worked out. We own 5% of it. So I think it's the most successful syndicate ever done. Um, wow. certainly on AngelList. Um, wow. I don't know if there's other ones, but on, in terms of a multiple, it's probably the most successful ever done. Um, and then we did a shore, but a shore fund management went out of business. And so I just hired the top three people from a shore in the mm. tax department. And I created SPV solutions, my own SPV company, cool. because none of the ones out there I think are going to be long for the universe. Mm. With the exception of List and Card, I think that's stick yeah. around, but those are super yeah. expensive. Card is forty thousand dollars, I think, to maintain an SPV for ten years. Oh,
2: which wow, which kind of makes be it a big super, SPV. Yeah,
1: super expensive. Yeah. Uh, so then, no follow-on reserves. Got it. Sixty names. Talk to me about how you're going to process all this deal flow because you're mm-hmm. kind of legendary. You're going to get a lot of inbound. Yeah. How are you dealing with that? And from what I know of you, are you an introvert or an extrovert?
2: I'm very much an introvert, but I'm also yes. really curious. So I love meeting people. I mean, I've been on like a full listening tour for the last year before I've been decided to raise a fund because I know what comes on the other side of doing something successfully and okay, this is going to be a ten. Now it's real. I've heard from enough solo GPs and, you know, people like, "Okay, fundraising is a slog. It's not as fun as just having cong- conviction and writing a check into a founder you like." You know, it's it's very different. Um I have a lot of deal through flow just through the website, which is interesting. So yeah, trustfund.vc. Um, and then stuff from other folks like founders that I've invested in in the past, um, people I've met over the years, uh, some of my LPs, other GPs and in, in big funds, you know, you've sent me deals. Sometimes I get invited to SPVs and I'm like, hi, can you make a direct intro? um i've yeah. also just gone cold to people and you know for kind body when i invested i went just to their dms and i was like hi can i talk to the founder so people will just get on the phone with me it's if i need to if i want to source something it's not hard that's such a huge advantage that i have it is a
1: huge advantage, a huge I think advantage. you're underestimating yeah. um deal flow i believe proprietary deal flow is the name of the game and so what's great is having sold 500 books and you know, you're following, mm-hmm. you're just going to get deal flow, other people aren't. And then the second thing is, in deals that are of high quality, the founder wanting you on the cap table is a major thing. So you, you allocations going for you. So yeah. I've never I think it's gonna gotten be- allocation.
2: But again, 20, checks. this will be very different. And my checks are small and the check size. And I'm sure I mean, maybe you thought about this when your funds much larger now. And so I don't, I'm curious what size checks you're writing. But What was easy for me was getting as an angel, okay, 25, 50, 100, 150K allocations, where I had to go raise a first time fund and be, you know, have all the glory and be like, I'm gonna raise a $50 million fund. It's my next move. I'm the girl boss. Like, that's not what I'm going for. Like, I want to do a really good job. And there's enough of a learning curve with managing a fund and managing the deal flow. But also... When you have a much larger fund, you're fighting for allocation. So, if I was trying to lead seed rounds and put in million, two million dollar checks, all my friends that are sending me these great deals, they may be people who are trying to write million and two million dollar checks. And yeah, it gets you're competitive. Elbows, you're bumping into yeah, each other. so yeah, that part was just like out. a really easy layup for me to be like, okay, this is already happening and working at this size. Let me just keep doing that and you know formalize it beyond angel investing. And in terms of managing the deal flow, I actually hired someone I've like my fees, you know, it's a small fund, but I found someone Are you charging the two and
1: 20 kind of situation I'm charging
2: two and 20. Yeah. Um, so for and, people who don't know,
1: 20% yeah. uh, carry 2% fees a year, basically 10% fees, uh, or 20% over the life of the fund or something, it probably tails off, there might be an upper cap, but mm-hmm. that's only 200k a year.
2: Yeah, and that's like travel, entertaining, taking a founder to dinner you may or may not invest in. It's like everything. It's nothing. This
1: is the challenge. You have to have a... When I did the first fund, the first two funds, I think I had no fees. Third fund, I finally put fees on and I paid for all my team out of the podcast revenue I have. Mm -hmm. Um, And just starting to change that a little bit as I go into the the last two funds.
2: So I just found someone who's been living in PitchBook uh at somewhere Fantastic. else and worked for a friend of mine um do you know james vincent he founded media arts lab and then and now does I've this heard of him yeah a uh, strategy firm called founder they also have a venture fund so like a
1: researcher an analyst associate yeah she's it.
2: been working for him for the last six years and um okay. great yeah so she was on her way out anyway and you know came to me a known entity and so people i don't know i don't know i don't know <laughs> Um, and and also with DealFlow, like I'm looking for really high quality stuff. As much you know, as much as it's like cute that I was a community college dropout, and yes, I'm giving access to people who maybe don't have like the pedigree of the typical person who would you know invest in a fund or be invested in as a founder. Like I've already un- over indexed on the like community college dropout side. Like I'm for the first time, mm-hmm. I my career, I'm going to be a little bit of a follower. Because again, I have mm-hmm. a lot to learn and I don't need to be finding like the diamonds in the rough. I'm gonna be investing alongside top-tier firms who can see the landscape. Because I'm if I'm looking at a fintech product, I'm gonna see some of them. I yes, I have great deal flow. I'm not gonna see all of them. Mm-hmm. They're gonna see all of them. And I could be like, this is so cool. Check this out. And if I send it ch- to any of these guys, chances are they're gonna be like, yeah, we saw 10 things like that. This is why we passed, and then like, oh cool, I have an opportunity to learn rather than be like, I'm excited about this thing. You know, they've got a partnership that sees the full landscape. They're also doing diligence on the founders and on the on the companies and they're possibly taking board seats. And that's just like a, a much safer bet for me. And with money, yeah. I want to make safe bets. And Well, with the $10 million yeah.
1: funds, investing in that many names, if you do wind up doing 40, 50, 60 names, given the staff size, you're also not going to have the ability to do deep due diligence you're not going to have the ability to do governance you don't have you know three managing directors to put on or two managing directors to put on boards to represent you so you know it's it's i think the approach you're taking is perfect um learn deploy five ten million 15 whatever you get to and um learn the only thing i would edit in it would be to save one million for reserves um and you know maybe do five less investments because i do think when you hit 30 or 40 you have enough uh diversification that you'll hit a winner mm-hmm. and the thing i'm trying to learn because i have 350 investments over 12 years is how do you find out which ones are the winners and then get more money into them before other people figure out their winners and take all that opportunity because mm-hmm. man the the ability to invest in the series a b and c of uber or robin hood or any of these which i didn't that was one and done um you know that was the big challenge for me and now we've kind of fixed that we're and i think that's what most fund managers do if they enjoy being a fund yeah. manager which you'll find out in the next 24 months <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast you clearly have an interest in startups and technology but do you have the skills and knowledge you need for a career in tech and if you do have those skills Are you still learning and growing? Because everyone in tech knows if you're not building new skills geared towards the latest platforms, well, you're falling behind. And right now, that platform is AI, artificial intelligence. AI isn't just the future, it's the present. We see that happening. We're talking about it every day on this podcast. And to be part of the tech revolution, you need to understand the core concepts behind AI. You know, things like neural networks, machine learning, these are complex terms, you can guess what they are. But why not go learn about these concepts at brilliant.org. This website helps users learn math, science and computer science interactively. And right now, they feature some amazing courses geared towards AI, like an introduction to neural networks, 15 lessons in that one, and search engines, which includes 20 lessons on the core idea behind search engine technology. So here's your call to action. You can try everything Brilliant has to offer for a full 30 days by heading to brilliant.org twist to start your free trial. And for a limited time, only Twist listeners will get 20% off an annual subscription. I'm an investor in the company. It's a brilliant company. And uh, I really want you to try it for you and your company, for kids, college, everybody in between. Everybody should get smarter. Let's all get brilliant together. Brilliant.org slash twist for 20% off today. Do you
2: um, do you ask for pro rata rights? Um, 100%. We'll not do a deal do. without them. Wow. Cool.
1: Yeah, and I, I, wouldn't, I would advise you to not do that either. Um, yeah. And they'll say, oh, well, I'll just it'll be a handshake agreement um mm-hmm. previously known as the gentleman's agreement uh mm-hmm. but the handshake agreement you don't want to do you want them to do a side letter and say listen i'm sophia amorosa i can help you with tweets i can help you with introductions i need prorata my lps i told them i get it um mm-hmm. and then almost universally they'll do it for you
2: Ooh, i told my lps i love that i can blame my boss oh basically so cool and,
1: and in my case it happens to be the truth yeah
2: and yeah. here's the next card that'll happen
1: the founder will give you pro rata a series a will occur the term ship comes in they're like oh this big venture capital firm says they'll put in 5 million out of 20 million post." um but everybody has to waive their pro rata and then so what i do after this happened to me over and over again maybe four or five times i called those vc firms i said hey listen do you really want to run me over because mm-hmm. i need to get this pro rata and they would say no 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 of course not jake how we love you yeah you know, you're like because i have weight
2: to throw around
1: well and you do too and and the the greatest weight is um i will not pass you the ball and i literally said that to somebody i said listen i'm chris paul i'll bring the ball up the court i'll pass it to you where you like it if you don't if you try to screw me and take my pro route away i will ice you out i will never pass you the ball which Mm -hmm. is what you would do in brooklyn if somebody was Mm -hmm. a jerk you just don't Mm -hmm. pass them the ball you pass it to the other people let them score the ball people get the point real quick so you can use that and then the thing i started doing was i started preparing founders for this later stage vcs will try to screw your angels and seed investors be prepared for it and understand that i have your back for all time and if they screw me there's only one person after me because i'm one of the first investors it's you Mm -hmm. so if somebody is willing to screw your angels and seed investors guess what they're going to screw the founders next Mm -hmm. or the team you know it's, it's just the nature of some sharp elbow people in this business um yeah it's you have to stand up for yourself and then you have to have information rights is the other thing, so.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you about
1: that. I just Do put in our documents. demand? I say write a monthly update uh, okay, in the first yeah. couple of years of the business and then, you know, when you get your series A, series B, maybe it goes to six times a year or quarterly, but we actually put it in there. We track it. We follow up with them. And if somebody, this is my best advice, month one, I'll have somebody on my team say, hey, we didn't get January's update. Month two, hey, we didn't get February's. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in March, mm-hmm. hey, we didn't get January, February. So we checked our spam folders, did it get sent or do we miss it? Um, and uh, how about we do a Q1 like- with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, how about we do a Q1 and I have them, and then they CC me, yeah, uh, or they CC, you know, my wags, aka Mike. So you know, they say, hey, Mike would love to jump on a call with you, or Jason would love to jump on a call with mm-hmm. you, and then we have a phone call. Yeah, how did the first quarter go? And then I'll just tell them right up front. I know how this is as a founder. If you're not sending an update, it's either because you're so busy, things are going so well, or there's a lot of problems and you want to fix them before you send the update. Mm-hmm. Am I right? And they're like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, yeah. which is it? They're like, the latter. I'm like, okay, yeah. what are the problems? How can we help you fix them? Yeah. And that's the early warning system. But you know what? Nobody does it in our industry anymore, especially not the seed investors. They put a bet in and they disappear. There's not. And I think Aww. that's the that's the problem in the industry right now is all these new GPs, a lot of them have never run a business like you and I have. Therefore, you know, they, they've never hit 10, 20. You, you must have hit 50 million in revenue, much more than oh, I did. No, over 100. Over 100, yeah. An SEO. So, yeah. like, you've run a business with 100 million in revenue. Like, you know what you're talking about. Like, that's why they want your money. Yeah, Therefore, that's
2: the thing. It's like, let me be helpful before the gets the f- fan. That's why I'm here. Don't. don't email me telling me your company's falling apart. Because, like, that's happened with two of my portfolio companies. Oh, so frustrating in the you know last few months and it's it's there's it's a bloodbath people are overvalued and they can't raise their bridge rounds and they're you know even down rounds whatever it's hard um but you know don't don't tell me when it's too you know and then i'm like okay well here's 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 someone who might be able to buy it but like i'll get wiped out anyway but i still want to help even if i'm gonna get wiped out i want to help like i can help it's harvesting all of the that i've done for the last 16 17 years for free it's not like for free but the founders aren't paying me right like i'm giving them money i'm giving them money to harvest my expertise to like it's it's i love it it's what i love doing because i don't want to keep learning and of course i'm going to continue learning all the time but there's so much that i can add that i would much rather give to someone else to apply (laughs) to a startup than for me to do after again after you know building companies for so long it's, use it um, like use me like text me text me at 11 p.m just use me ask for things i
1: did something early on where i told founders you know again language matters and then saying something two or three times like you really care about words uh, like i do and i i came up with just a little phrase like and i just said at some point everything is going to be a complete utter disaster it always is mm-hmm. especially for the successful companies And when that happens you can't tell your employees because they're going to get scared and they, they're going to quit. Well, that's your fear.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Can't tell your board because then you're going to get scared and they're going to fire you or try to replace you. I said, just call me and mm-hmm. just tell me exactly how f- up it is. And I will tell you 10 stories. I guarantee you that are more effed up than what you told me. And then I can just give you candid advice of how I would approach it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at one point I had somebody call me and he's like, i can't take it anymore it's a saturday afternoon Said you just call you i said where are you right now he said i'm in my bathroom i just threw up in the shower i'm so anxious i said okay uh you want to get coffee or something He's like i got the kids and my wife waiting in the car i gotta go take everybody to brunch i said okay have the best brunch ever that's the most important thing and then meet me for coffee after uh just tell your wife your investor needs to see you Mm -hmm. Uh, you got no choice okay great we talked it wasn't that bad yeah you know? and i always tell them the same thing like listen if this company doesn't work out you shut it down we all take there's a more loss companies more
2: co- and then start know? a new one
1: based yeah, on what you learned here that's I the great that's part the, of this
2: the thing people don't realize is that they're not of course you want to you're going to stick it out as long as you can but not every idea is going to work out and sometimes you make mistakes as an operator or you hire the wrong people or you're overvalued or there's macro things happening outside of your control and Like, hopefully, we're we're all going to have multiple lifetimes, and we can all be cats that land on our feet after, you know, with nine lives, right? Yeah. Um, But a lot of people think that because they attach their identity to something that if that's no longer part of their, you know, who they are, then they're not worth anything, or they're a failure. And it's just like, that just comes with the territory. And I haven't learned anything from success. I mean, I've learned from success, but I've learned the most from the challenging times it's like when when the tide is high you're like oh cool like there's no like weird crabs shells and you know cans and bottles stuck in Mm -hmm. the mud and then the 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 tide recedes and then you're like oh all this crap was happening under the surface in my organization i had no idea and then you get to see all the crap that was like hiding out under you know all the you know celebrations and champagne cliques and you know re, you know milestones and accolades that was like it was still there even when your company you know yep. even when business atrophies or um plateaus like that stuff's there all the time and it's a gift to see it because then when you do company number two y- you know what the what the murky looks like
1: also you know st- you start with you the mentioned, low.
2: <laughs> you mentioned like
1: you're you become identified with this You were the nasty gal. You were the girl boss to an extent that like people wanted this to be your identity. They made a TV show about Mm -hmm. you. Like Mm -hmm. talk about how you put those things to bed and just, or how you manage it now. Because listen, I had the same thing. I was the Silicon Valley reporter for my first magazine. I was Mahalo. I was in gadget. I was this. speaking at startups. Now I'm all in. I was angel investor in Uber, yada, yada, yada. I mean, the, Mm the public wants to pin you and put you in a box forever. Totally. you want to move on and do the next thing so how, yeah. how, do, how does sophia Amorosa handle that
2: let me just paint a picture from june yeah. of 2016 to april of 2017 so june of 2016 i'm on the cover of forbes magazine uh named one of america's richest self-made women with a net worth of 280 million dollars allegedly richer than beyonce on paper, like yeah. you know, my company was worth three hundred and fifty million. I bootstrapped it, so even after raising sixty, I owned eighty percent of it. So, I in eighty percent of yeah, the first money into Nasty Gals out of the growth fund. Um, July of twenty sixteen, my husband of like less than a year like bails, and it's like we've been together for like four or five years. Like, what's going on? What were you like emotionally? Could you just give me warnings or something? That was really that was that. Sucked. And then November of 2016, while I'm standing in front of a thousand people at a conference in Australia promoting a book that I was like, you have to go on the book tour, right? Like the wheels are, you know, and I had hired a CEO for Nasty Gal two years prior. So I had a CEO running the business because I didn't like being the CEO because I know my strengths, and one of my strengths may not be hiring CEOs, turns out. And it was on the day that Trump became, Trump was elected in November of 2016 that I'm on stage in Sydney moments after having had, had a board call saying, all right, like we have to send this thing into chapter 11 because it was like Hail Mary after Hail Mary after, you know, down rounds being cock blocked by, you know, you could guess who, whatever. Yep. And then April, and then it's just like the girl boss is, you know, she's not the girl boss. You know, she oh, had to make tough decisions. How dare she, you know, ask people to work hard and toxic culture. And it's like, guess what? I'm like 20 something and I've never even worked in an office. Like the only office I've ever worked in, my name was, my name has been on the lease of. Doesn't say that I'm not responsible for having, you know, for anything. Right. Yeah. Um, And so... That was just all the conflation of who I was as a CEO, the person who wrote this book, you know, this girl, millennials, 20 something year old with like an edgy haircut, you know, standing akimbo, looking like she knew what was up, inspired so many people. And then, oh, wow, watch this, like this slow mm. face plant. And then in April of 2017, the Netflix series came out. Mm. So four months after Nasty Gal fell apart, I left, I stepped stepped off the board and I was like, cool, I'm 10 years. You know, it was like, it sucked, but it was also at that point, I just was like, I don't know what to do with this thing. It was my entire youth. I was like, kind of ready to move on. Mm. It's hard to quit and it's hard to be fired when you're a founder and you've raised money and it was torture for the last few years. And now there's this scripted comedy I mean it was amazing it was a Netflix series was produced by Charlize Theron it was like amazing talent called called Boss with a girl who's 22 in San Francisco starting an eBay store called Nasty Gal being streamed into 130 million homes in 195 countries in almost every language a few months after I have like divorced myself from the thing and the person I was for the first for the last decade so yeah. now there's this all this new awareness of this nasty gal and the girl boss and sophia her name was sophia in the show and it was like well who is she really the character's kind of abrasive also well, is sophia really like that it was just like the show was the thing that really kind of like you know and there's people whose jobs are literally critics for television like i've been critiqued yeah. like i've been put through the ringer but you know there were headlines like um the worst thing about Netflix's Girlboss is its source material. Ooh. Mm. That's, that's. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so how did I deal with that? I just yeah. kept moving. I'm like, what? I'm not, I don't know. I'm yeah. not going to disappear. Girlboss still has momentum. Like it inspired so many people and it did so much. And I can't tell you how many thousands of DMs I've gotten over the years from people who are like, I quit my job because of Girlboss. I finally started my business. Like, it's amazing. I wouldn't, I didn't know that someone like you or me could start a business because girl Loss came out a year after lean in and that was the big new modern yeah. book that was written by a woman in business Whoa. and it was like cheryl sandberg yeah. and Susie orman it was just like holy f- and i threw a wrench in it as a community college dropout and every other probably mm-hmm. even college educated girl but just maybe not ivy league you know, or like mba girl was like Oh my god! Like I could start an eBay store. I could start an Etsy store. I can start a Shopify business. I can. I if she's confident and she didn't come from a lot, then maybe I should be too. You Um, demystified it. I I just kept running with Girl Boss, and it was it was a great it was a great ride. Yeah, I mean
1: the what I think of when you tell the story, and thank you for sharing it. By the way, Mm -hmm. I think it's good to. -hmm. Be honest like that, because other founders, Mm -hmm. especially the ones you're gonna invest in, can see like they build you up, they build you up, they build you up. Yeah. The press, the public, the social media, everything. And then um, yeah, they love, they love the face plant, they love when you trip and fall. Um But I think about our discussion about creating great brands, right? And great names. Mm
2: -hmm. You
1: create this a great name, Girl Mm -hmm. Boss, and Mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, well, that just writes the headlines for the critics. Mm -hmm. But these critics mean nothing. They they literally Mean nothing in the arc of history. There have been like three or four critics who actually matter. Roger Ebert was an exceptional, thoughtful critic who was a super fan. Quentin Tarantino's book of criticism is actually very thoughtful, but almost universally, critics don't matter. Uh, and their their life's work is often to take other people down. Uh, you know, once in a while they support something, but most often they get a real kick out of kicking people uh, mm-hmm. or laughing when they trip and fall and they they they, they risk very little mm-hmm. and this uh, is plagiarized from the anton ego speech at the end of ratatouille have you ever yeah. seen ratatouille the pixar mm-hmm. film
2: yeah it's been a while but yeah watch
1: the um, an, just type in anton ego he's the he's the food critic and he does an incredible speech at the end just about the creators versus the critics yeah it's just like can,
2: consider the source it's someone exactly. evaluating you who's never done what you're doing that has no idea what that's like and it's like they've never been in the ring how could they how could they understand what's that like enough to even criticize you right like you have to be an expert um well then gender plays a huge role in it too
1: because you were pioneering in the tech industry and the name of the book is girl boss naziel so then gender comes into and they're like oh look at this little lady who wrote a book
2: it was like yeah, totally. Yeah. It was like Natalie Massenay from Net-A-Porter. I mean, it was it was like Tony Shea from Z- I started an e-commerce business in 2007, yeah. right? pre-glossier, pre-away, pre-outdoor voices, pre-bumble, amazing, amazing women. I've had yeah. you know, been really lucky to watch um, you know, have their own awesome rides, build, build great companies. So it was really weird and lonely, and I was kind of heralded, heralded as this poster child because there was no one else to point at. Also, I probably sold magazines, like I like knew very well, like just the the whole kind of the whole kind of thing. The um, machine, Let's yeah, and, and that yeah. One of the headlines when Nasty Gal fell apart was, "Does the failure of Nasty Gal mean that millennials aren't ready to lead?" And it's like, I'm sorry, like an entire generation. How am I responsible for an entire generation? That's wild. wild. That's me. I mean, it's like if I. To be, and especially with the word "girl boss," and you know, maybe we'll talk about that. But you can only hope that the brands you create or the mark that you make is such a part of the zeitgeist that it's representative of whether it's good or bad, or becomes warped by culture, or ages poorly, or you know, becomes the coolest thing ever and stays the coolest thing ever forever, which nothing really does. Like leaving that kind of a mark and putting something out there that is so ubiquitous it's like it's a win no matter what like it's it's such a fascinating I, thing I'm to so do
1: glad to hear you say that sophia because the way i look at it is lean in and girl boss both of these mm. and i have three daughters so i care very deeply about this it came at a time where people were like women tech industry mm, and both of them i think gave permission in different ways you know one is more like i think You know what cheryl was doing was saying hey listen if you're in that board meeting if you're in that meeting and you're one of the few women not forget about being a founder forget about being the boss just Mm -hmm. you're a woman in the tech business you know stand up for yourself stand up for your thoughts Mm -hmm. you know own it lean in and and take responsibility uh for pushing things right is Mm -hmm. my interpretation of it and she was sort of saying like she didn't lean in enough and she wished she had so she was trying to pass it on then for you Uh, quote-unquote nobody like me you know not from the ivy league it's those people and this informs a lot of my investing it's those people who are you know outsiders who actually make the biggest impact Mm -hmm. if you just look at the history of this we remember zuck and bill gates uh you know dropping out of harvard because it's so notable and it's it seems like such a great poetic story but what you'll find as an angel investor for anybody listening who chooses to do this is it's people who have skills, who want to change the world, who are irritable and unsatisfied and, you know, maybe not the most balanced, but who also <laughs> are obsessed with customers and products to a point that they want to <laughs> change the world. And I think you, that book and just even the term <laughs> it gave permission to a lot of people, like you were saying, and you get those DMs. And so the critics and all the nonsense does not matter. What matters is the legacy. The legacy is amazing. And it, the legacy, it's just starting. I mean, you're still very young and this, the big thing that I, I see in our industry is a lack of people with check writing ability mm-hmm. um, who are not white guys from Harvard and Stanford's mm-hmm. business schools. And, yeah. and that's the revolution yeah. right now. I was talking to Molly and this week in Star Wars about it just the other day of how, now it's sixteen percent of decision makers. Once that uh, inventor are women, mm-hmm. still you know whatever a third of what it should be, he's got a triple, but it'll get there. And I think the way to do it is to start your own fund. So is to give me money. Well, uh, bottom line, if you want to see the change in the world, I actually That's think true. this is important for rich people. And I've had this conversation, especially not just with women, but women of color. uh you, There are a lot of people who should they virtue signal all day long on Twitter. They they put up black lives matter you know uh blm or you know uh some showing of support Mm -hmm. and they're supporting the next thing and the next thing they don't write the check Mm -hmm. you gotta write the check if you actually want to see the change to happen it's not enough to just tweet or retweet or like take out your checkbook i'm 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 stoked for you sophia i think you're gonna be amazing at this thank you um and anybody who's a founder go to trustfund.com
2: VC slash invest but speaking of accredited investors there is a limit and I have a lot so QPs call me I am in the QP phase as well qualified purchasers call me that means you have a lot of money so the people listening who have like over five million dollars in assets family
1: offices high high net worth people you can write a 100k 250k check yeah this is this is what you need to do next
2: i in info trustfund.vc
1: trustfund.vc go there if you're a founder go there if you're a qp if you're accredited sign up just so you have them for next time i did Mm -hmm. a yeah where where you're going to be on your second and third fund is where i am now on my fourth fund which is the lottery so accredited investors cool i did three or four webinars i collected all the interest i had so much i said okay existing accredited investors go first Then everybody else is in a lottery. So you have to this date, put your allocation in. Then I did the lottery. People dropped off. They didn't fill the paperwork. No problem. Everybody Mm -hmm. else. And then I took the people who are credit investors. I said in the launch fund five, since you did four, I will allow you to go first in launch fund five. Or if we do Mm -hmm. another lottery, you'll have three ping pong balls to new people's one, let's say. So you have three X the chance of getting in. And I think the future of this is not the big endowments for folks like us i think this public thing my thinking is well maybe instead of going for 150 million um just do 25 or 50 million every 18 months mm. and just allow access to people who don't normally have access to this venture class
2: yeah i think that's I think the revolution that, and i know we're probably out of time and i'm just going to ask your advice on this yeah. how long do you plan on deploying this next fund for i think just the fund cycle is such an interesting thing
1: Yeah, so I, it's such a great question. I sat out a lot of 2021 and 2022, 2021 because of the valuations. Mm -hmm. It didn't make sense. People wanted 50 million before they had product market fit or customers or had even launched their product. And I was like, well, that makes no sense. There's no chance for, I like a 50X. Anytime I make an investment, I want in my mind to be able to map out a 50X. Okay, we're investing at 10 million. Okay, 50X is 500 million. We might get diluted a little bit. How do I get, what, what kind of revenue with this company need to have? And then I do what's called um, a total addressable market, but I do it a bottoms up. So I just, with my team, have that very thoughtful conversation about entry price. And yeah. to your question about deployment, it is based on market conditions. My belief is in 2023, I'm seeing so many good companies that have, you know, five to 50K a month in revenue, which is my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And they're priced at five to $15 million. And then I see these other companies come out of certain accelerators. I'm not going to dig anybody for getting a great price, but they've built people up, they, they've built up such a frenzy, maybe some accelerators that, you know, raising at 20, 30, 40 million before you have a product in market. Mm-hmm. Not for me, mm-hmm. those companies inevitably come back to market at the same valuation with five customers. So I'm patient. I think the right deployment schedule, according to everybody I talked to is 30 months. 24 to 30 months for primary investment you save a little bit for reserves that's what i hear but i think you could do it in 18 to 30 months as well if you have great opportunities the most important thing is portfolio construction picking winners have 40 names so you have a chance of an outlier i hit outliers every 25 to 50 and as best as i can tell Mm -hmm. so and i think this is the vintage where it's going to be extraordinary if you can invest yeah. at $5 million, that's when I invested in Uber, Com, uh, Robinhood was under 20, I think. Like when you invest in those kind of early valuations as a seed investor, and you maybe can put in a second bet and the winners, this is mm-hmm. why I think the one flaw in your game is the follow on. Okay. And so I'm going to keep pushing you on, just save 10% for follow on. Because um, what if you hit an Uber? What if you hit a Robinhood? What if you hit a Com? You really want to put that 500K check in or 250K check in and be bold. That 250K check, it might only go. 30x whereas your 150 might go 100x but 30x on 500k whoa mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so it returns the entire fund plus 50% so you and you're going to know it's a winner that's the paradox yeah when so you're a seed investor, you know the pa- you know the winner
2: my management company is called picking winners llc i've got a oh, i've got it. an amex that says picking winners llc that's the goal um that's a good one
1: i actually bought the domain we back builders as a. Cool. I was going to change everybody's email to you and i think the same we always like phrases and words i buy urls just for fun totally me too totally we back builders yeah. is the one i bought recently i yeah. forwarded to myself Good. Okay, you had another question yeah how i much, like wrapping out with you you're, you're good you're yeah good, uh, well, i'm just learning. learning
2: this is like all i do i'm just love mm-hmm. it i love it i love it yeah. um that's and why who i do better, a podcast who better to talk to you i know right you get to like just learn for an hour
1: snowflake again you know the you know snowflake yeah. the crazy company yeah. this guy frank Slootman. have you read his book yet amp it up Mm-mm. read this book amp it up this guy's a maniac he's like i yeah. call him general Slootman. incredible just like i don't care what you think of how i run my company i'm i'm here to win not make friends mm-hmm. kind of situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's just about building the energy in a company and the pace of a company it's it's awesome and cool. i'll send you the podcast with him it's it's worth listening to this guy's a beast
2: cool Beastsmoke. what you had one more question Go ahead. yeah how much of your investment at this stage is in the idea or the founder like five mm, million I was ask you that question. sometimes mm. pre-revenue five million valuation is like all right there's some traction but it's still the chance mm. of that becoming you know an uber is slim yeah. so is it the founder is it other people's co it on, used to be founders I, I don't trust anybody
1: else okay. anymore there's too many funds there's too many games going on people are sending you deal flow that are the ones that can't raise money and they invested in the the winners in their portfolio so they're sending you the negative portfolio because then you get to extend the life of their losers or i should not say losers they're companies that are destined to not be able to raise money they want you to fund them but they didn't tell you about the ones that they funded and did an inside round on So Mm -hmm. be careful. There's a little gamesmanship going on there, you know. As best as I can tell now, people have decoded what it means to be a founder based on books like yours, mine, Y Combinator content, podcasts. So people can put on a pretty pretty good show. So your ability to get snowed is pretty high now, right? People Mm -hmm. know how to tell a story, they know how to pitch. All that's been decoded, um, and gamed, and hacked. So I look at what my eyes tell me: product velocity, product design. Customers and team members. if you look at those, it's kind of you can't fake a team member who's a winner joining a company. You can't fake a customer being delighted, and you can't fake a product that looks gorgeous and is functional and beautiful. And so I, I'm trying to believe from first principles what I can see, as opposed to my ability, which I think is great, or I thought was great, to read people, because I have, in my later years as an investor, been snowed so many times now where people you know told me some great story and they just the products never hit 2.0 3.0 they never advanced they never hired anybody and man they burnt Mm -hmm. money like drunken sailors Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah anyway just one theory is that founders have figured out how to snow people like us capital allocators they know how to put on the
2: show yeah how do i know any family offices
1: <laughs> uh, you know great question uh there's a database of them uh but i think the best thing for you to do is to do what you're doing do the media tour and every time you do a media tour you come on this podcast go on other podcasts you're a great podcast guest you're honest about your Thanks. time at nasty and girl boss that's super fascinating so i would just lean in so to speak yeah, into the media thing, which I am giving you the advice I need to take. I don't do media because I have so much stuff going on, but I do need to do some more media. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done one press story about raising this fund, but I should do more.
2: Yeah, um, I did TechCrunch. I'm doing this, but it's you know, your team reached out to me, and I'm so excited to get well, on yeah, here I with know, you again. The fund, and I
1: was like, well, know, Sophia's so a great cool. guest. Thank and you. You're podcast shy. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to put money into this fund, at least I should get a podcast out
2: of it. I can't afford a publicist. So I'll just like DM. No, you don't need some a publicist.
1: Here's what us. you need to do. Yeah. You have to do it yourself. Now you DM somebody who's a podcaster. This is my technique. Mm-hmm. I just tell people when I like something they do. So I just texted uh, or I dm DMed uh, Rain Johnson, the guy who did knives out. Cool. Yeah. And he's doing this new thing called poker face which is kind of like colombo the tv show that i, I just oh, love cool. with yeah. natasha Leone. and i just dm'd him and i was like i'm two episodes in this is great mm-hmm. um and, and i'm just sincerely telling him that and like i think you just yeah. sincerely tell somebody you like their podcast yeah next thing you know you'll be on it yeah you're sophia marosa I'll, like, I'll, I'll get, get a list from you. thank you okay. all right this has been another amazing episode of this week in startups everybody go to trustfund.vc if you want to get money or if you want to support Sophia's new fund i'm in it mark Andreessen's in it paris hilton's in it uh, how much more do you need to know paris hilton's in
2: you're friends with her she, yeah a little bit friendly I'm, I'm, I'm closer with carter her husband they just had a oh. baby yeah ah. um yeah those, they're great she's kind of a genius she's really smart she's
1: very what smart what is her genius is it brand is it
2: I don't what know. I think it's like playing genius. in pop culture. I don't know. She made pop culture. She invented yeah. that's hot. She invented the first meme. It was like the first reality show. You know, the, Kim Kardashian. the Simple Life, The Simple Life? Yeah. No, yes. she was like pioneering. Um, and the baby voice is like a th- like she admitted when I interviewed her on stage at the Girl Boss rally like, yeah, there's a baby voice. Like that's not really the thing.
1: Oh, really? So that's like uh-huh. a
2: yeah interesting she, she's just smart she's a you know i mean i'd rather her describe you should have her on yeah. i you know you what I should. I, yeah, I, you I should I went totally to her house
1: one. once i had a couple conversations with her she's very uh intelligent she's, she's very so interested in people and yeah. lovely and yeah. i just think there's something there that is um i don't want to say savant because savant kind of means like you're deficient in other areas yeah no, i think there's I a like, zone of excellence
2: yeah, that's but I want to use that word savant, but it does mean like, yeah, you're like an idiot savant, whatever, but yeah, they, like, people I put the idiot like, automatically. I know she's a
1: virtuoso, but. is what I would say. There is a zone of excellence where she is unrivaled, which is capturing yeah. attention. Like even yeah. when they did a fake meme, there's one picture where she's in a club and she's got her arms up like this, and it was just like a blank t shirt, and somebody put on it, stop being poor. And oh my god. It's not I her. Didn't, i didn't know that I've, i swear i've the seen stop that being poor meme is like unbelievable and she's just like yeah that i don't own a t-shirt that says that somebody photoshopped that. my god but the media she, yeah.
2: so Genius. warped. yeah well i guess i'll go on a media tour and hope they don't skewer me i would say like we'll you see.
1: should be on tim ferris lex friedman um i just did both of those in the past year they're really smart um you should be in What'll be another, you yeah, put it, pull up the uh, picture. You'll see it. You'll, you'll recognize this oh, immediately. This is like from the eighties. Uh, yeah. Oh, Ryan Johnson, by the way, it's not Rain Johnson. It's Ryan Johnson. Oh, okay. Yeah, there it is. Stop being poor. Stop being desperate. That's, I, that's my, by the way, when I was so broke, funny. I just yeah. had the picture of that on my desk. And I would just look at it and be like, Jake, house, stop being poor. <laughs> stop yeah. being desperate. Oh, I is like- that the original? It was stop being desperate. And somebody replaced I it with poor. I swear I've seen Stop Being Poor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Stop Being Poor is the one, yeah. Funny. Uh, but yeah, I would do, I think Lex Friedman would be interesting. He, he's like a, like the ultimate AI interviewer robot. Tim Ferriss is like the soulful OG. Yeah, I've been on
2: Tim's, but it's been so long and I don't so really. I don't I think he has people on
1: a second time that often. I haven't but stayed in
2: touch with him, yeah. 20-minute um, VC would be
1: good if you've done that.
2: I know, yeah. I was going to be on it. Harry, actually. Harry's On, nice. on WhatsApp. Yeah when i sent him my first deck he made a loom video like tearing it apart and was like here's what you need to do and i was like this for is him. so cool kid's Thank you. amazing he came yeah, to the industry five amazing. or six years ago He's like, yeah. no jake
1: i i just want to let you know i'm i'm a huge fan of your podcast and i'm gonna start a podcast that's kind of derivative or like inspired by what you've done and i don't know if that's true or not mm-hmm. um, but would you be a guest and i'm like of course i'll be a guest kid whatever you want yeah. and now this yeah. kid's like you know i know. doing like eight thousand episodes a year i'm like i know Rock yeah he's, Harry he's, he's,
2: he's nuts he's so that guy is always Dolific. yeah he Dolific. like writes me back at hours that i know are not normal in london so i don't know yeah i wonder right. if he sleeps all right everybody
1: great to okay. see you sophia great to catch Thank up you, Jason. And we'll talk soon.
2: all How i'm good